this is an example of a business that is um, what I call one chart businesses. I'm full of catchy shit today. One chart businesses. So what's a one chart business? <laughs> there are times you can look at one chart and one chart alone can be your business plan. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like the days off on the road. All right, we're live. What's going on? I haven't seen you in a week. I know. What's going been on? Forever. Um, nice jacket, uh, by the way. That's fresh. Wearing white is I appreciate wearing that. white is just a it's a choice. It's a summer move. <laughs> it's a choice. It's a summer move. <laughs> you going you going uh, to Ruben's party or what? <laughs> Uh, no, I, I don't think I'm, I'm not on that. Was list. it last year uh, that you were in the Hamptons when Rick Rubin was having his party and you were like, what's this? And you didn't, wasn't there some story like you hung out with all the limo drivers, the Uber drivers yeah, in the parking lot instead of basically, going in? <laughs> the, be- the beach that I went to was five doors down from his house. It's a public beach and there's a parking lot there. And my, me and my family were just there hanging out. We drove by, we saw like, you know, Henry, Henry Kravis, the founder of KKR, you know, like. $50 billion guy, like pull up in his $2 billion or $2 million Bugatti. We park in the parking lot and I see all these huge escalates, all black escalates. And I see like these, it's mostly like these, you could tell their drivers they are in suits, they're playing soccer and eating sandwiches and drinking soda. And I walk over, I'm like, what the hell is this? And they're like, oh, it's this guy named Michael Rubin. He throws this party. I go, well, who are you driving? And they actually <laughs> tell me who they're driving. And I'm like, I, seeing how as I am, I, I go like, all right, like, what's the what's the shit on them? Like, are they a good tipper? What's their deal? And they like spilled the beans on like what it's like. He's like, oh, this person's actually broke. You know, like he always haggles with us over five hundred dollars or yeah. So I hung out in the parking lot in Michael Rubin's party. <laughs> Most uh, uh, relatable blue collar thing to do is just to go and be like, hey, pass the sunflower seeds and just start kicking it with these guys <laughs> in the parking lot. I saw it was like a movie a little bit. It was like they were just like playing soccer and drinking Coke. Yeah. By the way, the way you described that was definitely like straight out of like a favela in Brazil. You're like, yeah, they were just uh, drinking Coca-Cola and and eating sandwiches while playing soccer in the park and the gravel. (laughs) (laughs) That's really what they were doing. I mean, it it was it was it was like, but it was fun. And, you know, it was all like these Long Island guys like, hey, what are you doing? You know, like that type of thing. (laughs) I saw a video of that party and. I think the reaction when they post that video for most people is like, oh my God, like so cool. I, I, you know, I hope one day I can attend this, the white party at Michael Rubin's house. I got to say, I saw that thing and I was like, this would be my worst nightmare. It'd be very uncomfortable, right? Having to look cool. Uh, just that alone is already, I have halfway to hell. Having to look cool, dressed up for a you're wearing party. A Mickey, you're, Sean's, wearing, Sean's wearing a Mickey Mouse t-shirt right now. <laughs> just fly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and by the way, I bought this recently. This is new. This isn't like some <laughs> old thing in the closet. This was I bought this during my trip just now. Um, so having to look cool, and then going to a place with a bunch of people who are super famous, and then having to like be in tell a story, be in conversations, and like try to get into conversations, and then be in those conversations. I just want to go home. I, I didn't. I, I just. I already want to go home, and I wasn't even invited. So. Michael Rubin, you could lose my invite, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's like you'd rather play their their characters in Madden than actually hang out with yeah, them. Yeah, I would just start cleaning. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm just going to make myself useful here because the, the, the rest of <laughs> socializing is not going to work. I'm just going to, ha- I'm going to Marie Kondo this bitch right now and like yeah. start taking out trash and like I'll just join the serving, the crew like serving appetizers because I'd be like, I know th- I will have more fun doing anything besides this. 
Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. There's no secret formula for customer service, but there is an all new service hub from HubSpot and it's bringing service and support together in one platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible. You can free up your customer support reps time with an AI powered help desk so you can easily support and grow your customer base. The secrets out service hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. Where do you want to go from here? I was looking at a company called After, After.com. You ever heard of this? After.com? A very good uh, domain. So an amazing domain. So After.com is cremation as a service, basically. And you can pre-plan it or you can do it after somebody passes away. The, the reason I actually want to talk about this, it's an interesting business on its own. This is an example of a business that is um, what I call one-chart businesses. I'm full of catchy shit today. One-chart businesses. So what's a one-chart business? There are times you can look at one chart and one chart alone can be your business plan. So for example, have you seen the rise in the popularity of cremation? No. Popping off nowadays. Cremation is like uh, <laughs> it's the it's new in? Tide Pods. Uh, it's in right now. So I saw this chart. I thought, did, did not everyone get uh, cremated? So basically cremation um, in the United States in like the last, I don't know, 20 years or something like that, has gone from like 10% of the population chooses cremation to over 50%. I think it's actually, it's almost 60 or 70% now, which is like kind of insane. I had no idea this was true. Um, uh, so burial rates uh, are going down and cremation rates are going way up. Um, and you just see that one chart alone. You're like, okay, in 20 years, this, the, the thing has shifted where it went from the super minority to the majority. All right, that alone tells me there's room for building interesting business in this space. It's a one chart business. And there's actually been several of these that I've like encountered over the years. Like one chart, uh, one chart can tell you, tell you a full story. Um, and so this is, this is one of them. And uh, these guys have built a really good business on top of this. I, I don't want to go into too much detail about their actual thing, but I just thought that was crazy. And this is like where like what you guys had with trends was like kind of a cool business because you guys would identify trends like this. You would say, okay, yeah, in the 19, in the 1960s, cremation was 3%. And then in 1990s, it grew to 17%. And right now in 2020, it's over 50%. Um, if that's true, then what? What are all the second order consequences of that? Who are the providers for this? Who does the B2B e-commerce of this? Who has the highest SEO ranking for this? And that website's actually going to get way more popular than, than they realize because um, this is growing over time. And so you take that one chart and you can actually run a whole business plan off. Wow. So do they, uh, I'm, A, yes, you're right. And B, I'm looking at after.com. They, it, I don't think they've raised money. They're, they're, they're Mormons. They're based out of Provo's, uh, Provo, Utah. Um, uh, this, is, this is wild. It, how did you find this? Uh, they reached out because I, I told people I was buying minority stakes in businesses and investing in businesses. And I think these guys were raising money or wanted to, well, I think they were raising money, but they're not trying to sell uh, these. They're, they're, I think they're trying to go big fundraise. So um, they reached out. That this definitely could be big. It's $2,500. Their TAM is everyone right. on earth. We're all getting there eventually. Do, but they don't own like a, uh, an oven, <laughs> do they? Like they just like... <laughs> it's the logistics. So basically what they do is they get the lead they then book the kind of like the they either take the prepayment if you're going to do it ahead of time or um, afterwards they they say okay we will be your provider they can do like kind of like the full logistics so basically you know 
It's like the Domino's pizza tracker, right? Pick up, drop off, <laughs> delivery, like they do the whole thing, um, you know, and you can see kind of step by step where you're at in the process. This is wild. Uh, so to, to your first point, um, our good buddy, Jack Smith, you know, he started Vungle, sold it for $750 million. It was making a million dollars a day in revenue. He told me, I was like, Jack, why'd you start Vungle? He's like, well, I just saw that uh, mobile like like games on your phone were going to be really popular. I just saw like a chart. I think he said from Forrester Research Report. He's like, I just saw this chart that says like, oh, mobile games are like taking over the world. And he was like, what can we make on top of that? Uh, like, and that's why he came up with Vungle, which was ads in a game. And so he built an ad network. And it was the same thing where he's like, oh, that's a thing. Let's just get on that tidal wave. Right. And like, just like, don't matter which surfboard we pick, let's just pick a board and hopefully it will catch. And, uh, and that was like the same famously, thing. Jeff Bezos says this is how he decided to quit his job in, uh, I think he worked at some private equity firm, uh, that's famous and he quit his high paying job and was like, I'm going to go start I'm going to go start a uh, internet company. Why internet company? He goes, I read a stat during my research for, at the firm that the internet is growing uh, 2,300% per year. And that blew my mind. And if that's true, then I'm going to go build an inter internet company. That line is a beautiful line. So we actually use that quote on the front page of Trends where he goes, I started to, he goes, uh, he goes, I saw a report that said the internet was growing by 2,300% per year. Nothing grows that fast unless it's in a Petri dish. Uh, <laughs> And he's like, that's what I knew. I had to start something. And so I wrote a list of ideas of things that we could possibly sell on the internet. Right. And we just so happened to choose books. Yeah, exactly. They chose books because he was like, oh, I, uh, what is the advantage of the internet? You could have infinite selection because there's, there's no shelf space limit, right? There's no physical shelf. So he's like, what has wide selection? Okay, what also won't go bad? Can't be perishable. It has to be durable. Um, and then what, all, what is easy to ship? And so he's like, you know, those three, and he's like, there's market demand for it. Cool. Books. Books will be the place where we start. Um, by the way, I just found uh, Steph Smith, so former you know, writer of, of Trends, had a great um, tweet about this, actually. So I just pulled this up while, while you were talking, while I was looking for the quote. And she said, uh, famously, Jeff Bezos had this stat that made him quit his job. What are the generation-defining stats of today? Here's number one. Here's what she had. The cost of mapping a genome has fallen by 100,000% over the last 15 years. So it went from like $100 million to less than $1,000. Um, so mapping genomes. If that's true, if the cost is dropping like a, like a rock, what, what, else, what could be done off that? The second, um, college tuition has outpaced how much people earn by 10x. Here's this one chart that, uh, that shows you know, people's earnings over time and the cost of college over time. It's like cost of college going way up. That's a one chart business right there. Cyber insurance loss ratios have increased for years despite exponentially growing rates. Your loss ratio is basically how many uh, claims you have. So cybersecurity is becoming an exponential issue. The percentage of men under 30 not having sex has tripled in the last decade. So before um, men not having sex was like, you know, 15%. Now it's 30% of men are, are not having sex under the age of 30. Before the age of, under the age of right. 30? So you just made it. Nice. Um, so yeah. Ali, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, a couple other ones she had in here. It used to be that eight hours of sleep was the norm. On average, now people get six point eight. Um, so the sleep industry and the like effects of of not sleeping are going to go going to go up. Um, the electronic system in a car was five percent of car costs. Now it's fifty percent of car costs. Um, it's not just self driving cars. There's cars are basically rolling computers. Dude, those are brilliant. Yeah, you, you, like I've, I've definitely have started stuff because I've seen things like that. I remember sitting with one of the founders of Calm, this guy Alex too, and we were at lunch, and he just burst out laughing out of nowhere, and we were like, "What?" And he goes, "I just realized 
that. There must be like 10 million people a day dying on Facebook. I go, what? He goes, like, Facebook must have so much churn just due to death. He's like, they probably have millions of users churned because they died every day. That's insane. And he, a, he just starts, he starts and, laughing. And you're like, hey, Alex, like, you freaking autistic weirdo. Like, <laughs> he's just laughing so can you be hard. Normal? And he was like, can you imagine millions of people churning because they died every day from your product? He's like, he's like, what do they do with those profiles? How does that work? And he's like, what, what? There's a team of people just like the morgue at Facebook just cleaning up these dead profiles. Well, they and should sign up for after. He's like, more people died during lunch today than use our product. <laughs> you know, like more people on Facebook died than have ever used our product. And he's just laughing uncontrollably yeah. at this. You're like, yeah, that's hilarious, Alex. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's so funny. So this is my first time recording back in Austin. So basically, most summers between like May and October, I go to New York because I have family there and we like to stay there. This time, we only did it for like six weeks and I'm back. And every time I come back, I get this immense amount of stress because typically when I go, I'll go for three months and I only bring a carry-on. So I basically bring... um a pair of Crocs, a pair of workout shoes, and one nice dress shoes. And then I bring like two workout shorts, two workout shirts, and I just clean them regularly. I bring Crocs, workout shorts, <laughs> a box of Captain Crunch, and a switchblade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's called yeah. summer ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With the yo-yo, like uh, those little uh, the little pager things on my belt. <laughs> yeah, I got my Yo-Mega, my Crocs, <laughs> and some bubble gum, and I'm good. <laughs> Okay, so you, so why, why do you say you're stressed out? What do you mean you're stressed stressed about what? Because, all right, so I, I bring nothing, basically. I bring very little stuff, and I rent a furnished place. And then I in my book bag, I bring two lights for the podcast, an extra cell phone that I hang up, and that's my camera, and this microphone. And I come back to my house, and I realize I've got a closet full of stuff. I've got two cars that I got to go, and like, all right, I got to make sure that, like, the battery didn't die. I have a motorcycle. I got to make sure the battery didn't die. The tires are full. I've got this cold plunge where I got to go, like, make sure I filled it with water and I got to clean it. I just have, like, shit. Like, there's just stuff. Right. There's stuff to, like, maintain. And I saw a picture of our friend Sahil, and he had his baby, uh, Roman, a beautiful baby. But in the back, he had literally three barrels. They were barrels. They were not <laughs> buckets. They were barrels of toys. And I see all this stuff that I have now, and I'm stressed out about the stuff. I've got to go ranch an hour and a half away. I got to go check in on. I have all this stuff, and I'm freaking out about having kids, about all this other stuff I'm going to get. Sarah's making like a, a baby shower registry, and I see all this stuff, and it's so much stuff. It's freaking me out, man. I don't want any of it. And I'm wondering, I don't think you freak out over this because I think you, you probably have a lot of Dude, stuff. I got all of But stuff. I, for one, am freaking about it. Have you, you, you don't live lightly at all, <laughs> bro. <laughs> living heavy might be the title of my autobiography. That, I mean, <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? Living lightly. Um, yeah, I indulge. Uh, our kids have tons of crap. That's what kids do. They, they bring a bunch of crap into your house. I got a dog. Dog's got some crap. I got some crap. There's just stuff everywhere. I literally have a ball pit and a tent and a fort and uh, like, you know, I have so much stuff in every single room. If you saw this room I'm in right now, you would want to like pass out. But I got to say, I'm not I'm no therapist, but I kind of feel like what you're having is actually um, like fatherhood fear and you're just redirecting it, misguiding it and pretending that you're worried about the stuff. I think this is some underlying life's about to change. I'm about to become a parent. 
about to lose my freedom. And I think it's expressing itself in some weird ways, like when you get hives because you're worried about your math test. Well, I get a little nervous and you might be right, but also I get a little bit nervous just about all the stuff I have in general. So I was talking to my buddy, Dennis, and he's got he's a single guy. He's got three cars and he's like, oh, I have all these cars and like I got to go like run them to make sure like because I haven't driven this thing in a month. I got to go like drive it around. I'm like, dude, it's like we all wanted this shit and then we all got it. And now we realize we just have to go take care of it. And like, if I see someone with a Ferrari, I'm like, man, if you get a flat tire, that's like a $10,000 like repair to like get that to where you need to go, where you got to repair it and you got to fix it and everything. Right. It just takes so much mental space. And so what are you going to do? You're going to give it all away? You're just going to cry about it? What's the situation now? The situation is you have to be a conscious consumer, I think, which is like my woo-woo phrase of the week. But basically, I have to be really, really careful. And so I'm going through the baby registry and I'm like, if it doesn't, like, if it's not a book, we we shouldn't ask for it. And we should actually, like, basically say to people, don't buy us anything. But like, I'm just, I'm trying to say, or if you want something and they sell it at Target, you have to walk there and get it. Because I don't want all these boxes around the house. We got to, like, it's, isn't it crazy that we buy stuff? It comes from Amazon. Then we have to pay 1-800-GOT-JUNK to come and we give them $300 to go throw away all the stuff. You know what I mean? Like the boxes. Yeah. It's, it's it's weird. So I'm just going to buy less stuff. That's basically what I'm going to do. I think. Is that not the answer? I think you're on the right side of history. Um, although I think with kids is a different game. Like, for example, one of the reasons I got a lot of stuff. It, saying you're on the right side of history is such like a woo woo way of saying I agree. Like it's, it's like the, the right side of history is what like uh, political people use. You're on the right side of history. You know why it works? Because you're talking about the most minor personal pet peeve so i gotta elevate it by saying you're on the right side of history making it feel a little more grand okay that's a little trick you don't i i think it's weird that you don't experience this i think a lot of people are experiencing this right now and they're and like when you go to some people's homes they they have a basement full of stuff and i'm like dude a cluttered a cluttered room is a cluttered brain in my mind i threw away I, I hired a guy to come over cleared my calendar i hired a guy to come over and he just took so much crap out of our house uh, like we just removed everything out of the garage. He took a whole dining table, chairs, a rug that I didn't like, just took loads of stuff away. And it felt like, you know, the satisfaction when you like pop a zit or something like that. It, it felt like that. Yes. I, I popped my house's zit. It does feel great when you get rid of stuff and you lighten the load. But what I would say is one of the reasons I had a lot of stuff, I have a lot of stuff as a, as a parent is because you end uh, I don't know, not everybody does this. There's better parents than us, but we bribe our kids a ton. And it turns out that like the thing you want more than like a neat and tidy home and foot light footprint is like 13 minutes of relaxation. And you know how you get 13 minutes of relaxation? You stop at freaking Dollar General or whatever and you buy some crap that your kid's going to be excited about playing for like 30 minutes. And like that's all you need. And you, if you have that, all right, it's worth it. We'll get rid of that later. And so having stuff that your kids can play with is how you get to be on the internet. And if you don't want to be on the internet, cool. Keep your minimal house. And you can go and entertain your kids with your bare hands. But if you don't want to do that, you better buy the ball pit and the slide and the nugget and like all these little things so that they have stuff and to do. And the target, you, you've you got the target grocery cart, the exactly. target checkout Because then scanner. I can say, oh, let's play grocery store. You go shopping and buy everything. And I'll be sitting over here on my laptop. And then they do it, and another nine minutes passes. And I'm just nine minutes closer to freedom to the day that they're old enough to go to school. And so, you know, this is a, it's a really, it's, it's a tool for survival is what I'm trying to say. 
Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct to consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing. If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives that I thought was pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and the last thing on this is the reason I love going to New York when I go is because I say like San Francisco and New York, right? I lived in San Francisco for 10 years. You're, you're outside of San Francisco now. New York as well. It's a land of ones and tens, meaning... Everything about that place is either a 1 out of 10 or it's a 10 out of 10. <laughs> the beauty, the energy, the excitement, 10 out of 10. The crime, like seeing the homeless people do stuff, like, like, like feeling like it's a third world country sometimes, that's a 1 out of 10. Austin is a land of 6 and 7s. Everything's <laughs> mostly pretty good, mostly all the time. It's never going to blow you away with inspiration, but it's always going to be like, oh, this is nice. I feel nice. Whereas, you know, you walk around the city of New York and like, some of the time you're like, this makes me feel alive. You know, like this is like, I just like inject this shit in my veins. And then the other time you're there, you're like, I need space. I need quiet. Like I'm freaking out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so what I'm trying to figure out is what's a good life? Is it surrounding yourself with ones and tens or is it surrounding yourself with seven all the time? And that's something that I that we're debating at the moment. I mean, this is, that's a big life question. What do you think the answer is? I don't know yet. I'm, I don't have to make my decision yet. But I was wondering if you've ever thought about that. Uh, I never thought about it as, as well as you just put it. What I would say is that anytime, uh, I learned this thing a long time ago, which is one choice is no choice, right? Cause if you have, if you only have one choice, that means you really actually have no choice. Yeah. Just inertia. Two bad choices just tells you you need a third choice. And so I think what you're actually saying is you need a third choice. Um, like, you know, the thing that worked for me was live in California, but live in the burbs. So you don't have the crime and, and stuff like that. You do lose a little bit on the energy and the like kind of ambition around you, but you can kind of hack around that a little bit. Um, so you get kind of the weather, the beauty, the, the, the sort of the, the California sunshine, all that good stuff um, without the, the, San, the downtown San Francisco crime and um, you know, recklessness, lawlessness. I think what I'm going to do, and we could wrap up here, I think what I'm going to do is I'm gonna, we're going to rent a place for one year in Westport, Connecticut. Never in a million years did I ever thought I'd say I'd live in Connecticut. But I met this woman who I'm going to talk about, Dafina Smith. And she goes, I, I, I met her through Hampton. And she was like, I know what you're going through. I, I went to the same thing. We found this place called Westport, Connecticut, 60 minutes outside of New York City. It sounds crazy, but come and visit me. I went out there and I was like, this is nice. <laughs> so I might do Westport, Connecticut. But I can't believe I might be a Connecticut person. But I think that's what we might do. Speaking of which, you want me to talk about her? Yeah, tell me the story. Uh, I met this woman at a Hampton dinner. I sat next to her. Uh, basically, her name is Dafina Smith, and her her store or her company is called Covet in Maine. So you can check it out. It's a uh, Covet, like you want something. So C O V E T, and then Maine, like hair M A N E. Are you on the website? Yeah, there's just uh, like you know, I don't want to go Rick Rubin's party, but this party that I'm looking at right here looks amazing. This is just like beautiful women running through the like just holding hands and running through the sand, which is just hilarious. Dude, so check this out. So she started out uh, in real estate, just doing normal stuff. But her parents owned a beauty supply 
uh, like store, like a brick, like a small store. And so she starts helping them out. And so she starts saying like, oh, let's create a website and we'll sell hair extensions online. Um, so you, I, I don't know if your wife uses hair extensions. My wife does sometimes. Hair extensions, basically, it costs a, sometimes two or $3,000 for really fancy ones, sometimes cheaper, $500 to $1,000. And they basically like weave this, they basically like sew extra hair into your hair and it makes it look really nice for a woman. And she starts selling this online. She's like, this doesn't really work that well the way, I, the way that I thought it was going to work. So instead, what she does is she invests around $100,000 to $150,000 into starting this business. And what she does is she starts hollering at different um, beauty stores. And she creates like an invite system where she's like, look, we don't have that much inventory and we want to like onboard people effectively. Uh, so you just apply. And then if we can like make this happen, we'll start sending you our product. And our product is really high quality. And then also we could start sending you some customers because we're going to do really good with the marketing. We're going to send people who want our particular type of hair. And hopefully when you go and get hair, you'll tell your friends, oh, I got this brand of hair. You can go to their website and see who deals their stuff. Well, anyway, she only has six employees. In her first year of business, they did $4 million in revenue. And they're in year four or five. And they're doing tens of millions in revenue. By year two, she was already in the tens of millions. Uh, year four, she's doing many tens of millions. They have like two or three agents agencies who work for her, but only about six full-time people. And if you go to their website, they're killing it. And I was like, "How? what are you doing so well? She's like, man, we host these like meetups where it'll be like tons of uh, women who own these beauty supply companies. So, or like, you know, like literally a brick and mortar like beauty store. And we do like these parties where we like teach them a little bit about how they run their business. We'll have speakers who like have best practices. And then also like if they happen to want to apply to sell our product, we'll do that. And that's like basically how they're getting most of their customers. And it's a super fascinating company because A, it's just a simple-ish website. I mean, it's nothing like crazy fascinating. Her the uh, the hair is of high quality, which by the way, do you know how they get hair from this? No. Is it donations? It's real yeah. hair. It's usually no, it's from it's from India. So like oh, there's, I guess, in certain parts of India, it's like holy or something to shave your head or they go to china where you can pay people and they'll cut their hair and you buy their hair from them and so it's real hair and so it's like a process to get like a high quality hair extension but she built this company on 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 this on this idea of like going after these hair salons and it's super fascinating because a this is an industry that i knew nothing about and b i actually think things like this could be pretty huge because it costs two or three thousand dollars to get this done in some cases so i forgot i actually went down this rabbit hole a long time ago because a guy i did dinner with once uh, you know, I, when I used to host these mastermind dinners, um, worked at this company called Maven. Did you ever hear about this company? Yeah, they, they, they raised too much money, I think. They raised like $30 million from Andreessen Horowitz and Serena Williams and Jimmy Iovine, like, you know, every cool person you can imagine. And um, so they raised all this money and this guy, Taylor, came to dinner and he was, I think, like the COO or something like that. They're based in Oakland. And he was telling us about this. He was like... Uh, is, you know, basically one guy explaining to like five other guys who've never like done hair extensions about how crazy this business is. And he's like, yeah, like you have these stylists. The stylists are basically like, you know, these kind of like independent contractors. People follow them from like salon to salon, like wherever they're working, they're trying to book them. And then the stylist has to go and procure the actual hair. And so they go to like these warehouses or these wholesalers to go buy the actual hair. And then they get the hair from India. And I remember going on a YouTube rabbit hole of like how they get the hair from villages in like India or China or places like this, because that's where the bulk of the hair gets imported from and how they get paid 
you know, whatever dollars for, for their hair. And it's like kind of a controversial thing about like, you know, is this like, is it exploitive? There's like rumors of like people being forced to do it, which is not great. Um, and so there's all, all kinds of stuff in the supply chain about ethically sourcing the hair. And there's some great videos on YouTube about this. If you're ever curious, I, I, you know, I recommend this is like a fun, fun rabbit hole to go down. Um, I don't know what happened with Maven because I think they raised a lot of money and I haven't heard about them in a long time. And um, it looks like they raised 40 million more to go into Walmart. I mean, it looks like so they're still 76 going. million in total. They've raised $76 million, a lot. I don't know why. And I no, no offense to uh, to Taylor. Uh, no, no offense to Taylor. I hope they I hope they succeed. But there's something about companies with this pattern of like um, cool idea, usually underrepresented founder going after a space that that you know white tech startups ignore, then like raises mega round from celebrity investors, and then you kind of don't hear about the first, like maybe they raise too much money, like. Too much money can break companies. This happened with, uh, like, that Tristan Walker's company, like Walker and yeah, whatever. Yeah, the Walker brands. They made, like, a razor for black men to shave their head, I think. Uh, yeah, or their beard or whatever. And I, I think that was a great idea. Um, that was a great, like, model. But when you raise that much money, it puts so much growth pressure on the business, it can sometimes break it. And so I hope that this didn't break it, but um, I've just seen this happen several times now. Start to start to notice a little bit of a pattern. Yeah, uh, it says in a press release that they have they've done. It says they did 120 million in revenue, but they phrase it in a way where I think that means the company's lifespan. They've done 120 million in revenue, but yeah, it's stupid. I think the, your cap table is like one of the very few things in business that is an irreversible decision. It's very challenging to make up for that mistake, and so this is why this woman, uh, Dafina, like when I met her, I was like. I started talking to her. I'm like, "Are you on social media?" She's like, "A little bit," but I haven't decided if I actually want to go all in on it. And I was like. You're, if you Google this lady, you'll see her name's Dafina Smith. I'm like, you, you could, be, you know, you could be like a huge deal if you wanted to. Like, you, you, what, what do the kids say? You got the Riz. She's got the Riz. <laughs> She's like this, like very charismatic, very pretty, tall, like composed. Like when I see her talk, I'm like, oh man, you're like a, a proper CEO. Like you got the it factor, uh, and. She's like, she's like, I don't know if I actually want to be famous or I don't know if I actually want to go hard that way. Where I'm like, well, whenever you want to, I, I think you'll kill it. And so I saw when she started telling me her story, I had no idea that this stuff could be this big. And she told me some of the numbers behind it. And I was like flabbergasted at, at this type of business. Right. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. Um, so so her model is this kind of like direct to stylist model. There's a few other businesses that are like this. Have you heard of Style Seat? Yeah, I like Style Seat. Uh, my wife used it for a little while. What, what exactly is it, though? There was a period of time where, like, or this happens a lot in business, where there's a period of time where one idea, like, when an idea works, it can work across, like, a couple of verticals. Not all verticals, but a couple of verticals. And if you figure it out, it makes sense. So there was a time when, like, uh, MindBody Online was getting uh, popular. It's basically, like, this idea of sort of, like, directly booking, online booking of yoga classes, online booking of Pilates classes, and then the fact that the, there was like this rise of the instructor, like the celebrity instructor, this happens with Peloton, it happened with yoga, it happened with Pilates. There's like people started, people realized that you're not coming for the venue, you're coming for the specific instructor. And the same thing is true. And by the way, that, that MindBody company, so MindBody was software for yoga classes originally. Yeah. I think they went public. I think it's like a wildly Yeah, it's like a billion dollar thing, company. Right? Um, and with very like old school software, like it wasn't like slick, new, fresh, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, but people started to realize that like, same thing, it was true for stylists. Like you don't go to the hair. So some people go to the local, you know, like me, my selection of where I'm getting my haircut is like, what is the closest place to me in that moment that I have 30 minutes, right? Like I'm going there. Yeah. yeah. Wh- which great clips is available at the moment? I just, who's got a big enough bowl to put on their dude, head? Dude, I just got a haircut in LA. Around. I went to this fancy LA place because I was, I, this was the nearest place. I went in and uh, I sat down and then I was, <laughs> he started cutting my hair. He's like, oh, what do you want? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, uh, I don't know. Can you cut my hair? Like the standard dude cut. Um, I don't even know what it's called. And then he's like, uh, okay, I think I know what you're talking about. He starts and I go, you think I go, I was like, um, I was like, oh shoot. Uh, cause he was going so slow. He was like cutting every individual hair with his scissors to like make it awesome. And I go, actually, um, different instructions. Can you give me the best haircut you can in 15 minutes? And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, I only want to be here for like 15 minutes. Can you just do your best inside a 15 minute time slot? And he was like, I don't know if I should be offended or like, this is exciting. And he was just like, all right, 15 minutes. He's like, can you put a timer on? I go, yeah. And I put a timer on. And then this guy like cut the shit out of my hair for 15 minutes. And I was like, wherever you're at when you're done, let's just call it. And he's like, you can come back later. <laughs> he's like, you can come back later today, man. I, I, you know, I'll finish. And I was like, it's hair. It'll, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be yeah, back where like, it is. No, it's all right. <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, I won't charge you. I was like, uh, you couldn't pay me to come back. You know, I'm done. I don't want to spend more time on my hair. Dude, I go to these Orthodox Jewish guys in Brooklyn. Nobody cares about my hair. I go to these... <laughs> I go to these Jewish guys in Brooklyn and I love them because it's all about efficiency. And then I'll end up just sitting down at the chair anyway, just be like, tell me about Uzbekistan. I want to hear some stories, but like I want a place where they're just going to call me bub and there's going to be a, a, a handwritten <laughs> sign that's hopefully misspelled that says haircut, $28, beard trim, $8. Like that's what I want. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 like you, you better have scotch tape in that drawer of yours. Like, otherwise I'm out. <laughs> if you take credit cards, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Anyways, I don't know how I got on that. Anyway, Style Seat made it easy to book a stylist. And I think they got valued at one point, like at a, nearly a billion dollars. And Melody, the, the woman who's been running it, she's been doing this for like a decade now. Um, I'm really curious to see how that one that one plays out. She also raised a bunch of money and, and kind of was going for it. But this, this hair salon barber thing is kind of big. Like, I don't know if you've seen Squire. That's another billion dollar company no, in this that? space. What's Squire? Squire is the same thing for barbershops. So it's basically like, Barbershop booking software. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's an app that lets you book, you know, book your barber mobile barbers were always like, you know, pick up the phone. They're cutting someone's hair. They pick up the cordless phone. They're like, yeah, come on in. Uh, what's your name? And they're like, can't even write it down because they're cutting someone's hair at the same time. So Squire just kind of like streamlined that process. And I think they might do payments as well. Um, so lo- like pe- people providing software to these brick and mortar, um, like small businesses, is really it's a really really hard niche, but when you if you can do it if you can get the product product market fit, the scale is really big because there is a lot of these small frag like it's a giant fragmented market, and there's so many of them that if you can actually figure out a product that works and a sales model that works, which is the two hard things, um, these things can be a lot bigger than they sound because it sounds like oh who, software for hairstylists who cares? Um, well, it turns out it's actually like there's a lot of them. Yeah, uh, and I would never want to work in that industry because I think it's it does seem impossibly hard. But uh, if you're into it, it, it can work. Let me give you a blue collar side hustle. So uh, we haven't had one of these blue collar side hustles in a while. So uh, 
We're bringing it back. But you like you like took one flight and you were around blue collar people and you got inspired. I left my house and I you know I was around <laughs> somebody who listens to the podcast. So uh, shout out to Brisha. She uh, owns this amazing restaurant in LA. She, I don't know if you know this. So she listens to the pod and she's like, every time you guys shout out your like four female listeners, I'm like, yeah, that's me. Woo! Like you know, I feel so good. And then, dude, a lot of women are offended by that. I don't say that anymore. I still say it because I say it with with endearment. Um, you know, lead, I lead into the joke. Um, the problem is the joke's not that funny. So, you know, it, it, it may not be the right thing to lean into, but, but I'm, I'm committed. Um, so anyways, I go to her, she has this restaurant in LA. How'd you meet her? She had taken my power writing course and, um, she had volunteered to like, I do this thing where I'm like, okay, show me your website. And we do like a live teardown of it. And so we had done one of her website, uh, cause she sells these like Michelada, like, drink things um like this kind of like mobile or the sorry this little like uh she has like a restaurant but then she has like this e-commerce side of her business too so anyways okay i had done a teardown of it didn't pay much attention to it after the fact but ben um business partner ben keeps in touch with anybody that i meet he's just like somehow has tabs on everybody he's like yo she's blowing up in la i'm like what, what do you mean he's like she got this restaurant um she's blowing up like the restaurant's getting really popular her brand is getting really popular she's got a podcast that's getting kind of popular um, and he's like, yes, what's her full name? Let's get, we'll give her a proper shout out. What's her full name? Brisha Lopez. Okay. So, uh, she, and she's got a cookbook. Like she's kind of like doing her thing. She's got a lot of, a lot of stuff going, which I think is, is pretty fun. She got a book called Asada, the art of Mexican style grilling by Brisha Lopez. Um, I met her and her brother. So anyway, so she invites us. She's like, Hey, you're, you're in LA. You're having meetings anyways. Come to our restaurant and, uh, like, you know, or whatever we, we come to her restaurant. She, Serves us this amazing meal. You know, we talk about restaurant owner, owner energy. She had it. She literally has restaurant owner energy. Like we walk in, we're in her place. She's like, sit down. Food just starts appearing. We're not ordering anything. She's literally like making my plate by hand. She's like, she's like feeding me like I'm a baby. She's like, try this. Was it free? Did you have to pay? I wish I could have paid. She's like, your money's no good here. And, um, wow. and so the restaurant owner energy was flowing. I loved it. Uh, I literally, when we walked out, our buddy was like, Wow, is that what it's like to own a restaurant? I, 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 and then our other friend was like, this is how every entrepreneur makes the mistake of owning a restaurant because they experience the 1% amazing feeling when you host people at your restaurant and not the 99% of actually you know, running a hard restaurant. So she, um, anyways, we're, we're hanging out. She's like, I love the pod. She's like, I love the blue collar side hustles. And I was like, oh yeah, I haven't done that in a while. She goes, I got one for you. I go, what is it? She goes, the lice lady. <laughs> the lice uh -oh. lady what are you what are you talking about and so she goes she goes dude uh she's like i have kids that are in school and um if you ever if anybody in class gets lice everybody has to get checked for lice and not just every, not just all the kids like your whole family basically has to get checked for lice and she's like i'm thinking of like the pigeon lady in the park who has pigeons all over the place <laughs> is this I got. I was thinking like it's a woman that just has lice all over, like hanging on her shoulders, and she feeds them crackers. Like go to, uh, go to like one of these. I don't know, like LiceTreatmentLA.com. It's a mobile lice testing service. So what she's what she said was she goes, yeah, basically somebody inevitably gets lice in school. Everybody then has to get tested before you. You can't come back until everybody gets tested clean, certified clean. So then you can either go and do it, like, or if you want them to come to you because it's time consuming to like go and book an appointment somewhere. You can basically, there's a lice lady you could just text in LA. You text her and she's like, cool, I'll come out there. It's 300 bucks for me to come out. I'll test you and your whole family. Plus like, I don't know, 50 bucks a pop or something like that. $100 for like your certificates. And it's basically like she makes, you know, like whatever, 500, 600 dollars 
for doing this like test for the whole family to get them all cleared. And she serves like these like eight districts in LA and like, that's her territory. And there's like another lady out on the East side and she serves her territory and they don't cross paths. Otherwise there's a bit of a showdown. And so um, she's like, yeah, this lady's making tens of thousands of dollars a month. Just booked. She's booked out with these lice inspections and lice treatments. I was like, wow, this is awesome. This is, I mean, who would have ever, who would have ever thought, uh, you know, like this is amazing. Cause you know, you, she comes over, she got to check four or five people in your house and it's a whole, it's a whole deal. Dude. And a lot of them have like <laughs> pretty cute branding. This one's called the lifelifters.com. <laughs> and then there's like hairhelpers.com, the hairangels.com. And they're all just made on like pretty simple WordPress sites. Very, if you go simple. to similar web, they get great. They're getting traffic. And then uh, they've like just crush it on the Google review and the Yelp review. And some of them have like I'm at lifelifters.com. They have locations in Florida, Texas, Pennsylvania, uh, New Jersey. It's almost like a like a franchise. This is super fascinating. This is really fascinating. Very cool, right? Like it's uh, you know, lice busters. Here we go. You know, <laughs> we'll come get you. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, they they this is like a little model that I think works locally. If it works locally, you could do it in a bunch of locations. If you do it in a bunch of locations, you could even franchise it out or, or go nationwide if you if you really got aggressive with it. So I kind of love this this little uh, this little blue collar side hustle, and it's one of these like hidden in plain sight niches, right? It doesn't take a genius to uh, to pull this thing off, dude. If you go to LiceBustersUSA.com, the one you're on, I mean, I made that up by the way. Is there actually a yeah? Lice I just googled LiceBusters, <laughs> LiceBustersUSA.com. They have a couple dozen locations. Uh, no, this is a really a super fascinating thing. Um, yeah, this is cool. How much does it cost to have a lice buster come to your school? I bet you it's like a thousand dollars for the day or something. None of yeah, exactly. None of them do like clear pricing on their website, which is how you know it's kind of a rip. Um, but like you know, they got you in a hard spot too, right? It's like a locksmith. Right? They come over, they're like, well, ah, mm, uh, this is a 1988. It's gonna be an extra five hundred dollars. You're like, well. Am I really gonna tell you to go home, call another locksmith to price compare? Like impossible, right? Like no one, no one has more power on earth than a locksmith when they're at your house. Like it is over at Dude, that point. Do you know? You know that's like a huge scam, right? Have you ever read about locksmiths? So I knew this guy from Israel who ran one of these things, and he was like, if you Google locksmith Nashville, he's like, there's like eight of the ten listings on Google. They're all different branding. I own all of them. And I basically like I have like indentured servants. So I got like my friends who come in from Israel. I say, you have to work for me for two years. And he basically sends them leads. And the name of the game is you go to the person's house, you tell them it's $200 on the phone, you actually charge them $400. And it's like known for being one of the most shady things there is, is the locksmith industry. Have, have you not like ever heard about never that? Heard, never met an honest locksmith. Uh, guy comes to my house. He's like, ah, you know, first he takes it forever. And it's like basically it takes so long that you're like, by the time this gets there, you're already worn out. It's like a negotiation without him even being there. And then it's too late to call somebody else. You just want to get into your damn car or your house. And then they show up and they're like, uh, this is going to be trickier because the, um, the this is a house. And we're like, yeah, of course it's a house. It's like, yeah, it's got studs. <laughs> so it's going to be I, I have a stud fee. <laughs> and I'm like, stud fee? What are you talking about, bro? And he's like, oh, like. This oxygen in the air? Oh, I'm gonna have to charge you for that. <laughs> it's like, and oh, it's made out of wood. And literally, what oh. happened? The last locksmith the guy came and he tried to charge us six hundred dollars. And then we were like, no way. Just out of principle, no way. 
you stand here. I'm going to break this door down with my shoulder and get it repaired for double. What's he like? All right, fine. A hundred bucks. <laughs> no, he stood there and he watched us break the door down with our shoulder. And then we paid $1,200 to get the door repaired. Um, <laughs> I got to tell you, never felt more satisfied paying the $1,200 because that sheet didn't get my money. What did he say when you smashed the door down? Very alpha of you. He, he by was the just way. laughing. Well, the, dude, imagine the intent. The, imagine the moment of anticipation when I'm about to charge and I've only ever seen this shit in movies. I have no <laughs> idea how much force this is going to take. And if this fails, if I get slammed into this, yeah, it doesn't break. Shoulder. I hurt my shoulder and fall down. <laughs> Absolute worst case scenario. Now I got to pay this guy and I got to go to Kaiser. Instead, I was like, I must get through this wall. And like, you know, like moms can lift cars when their children are in need. Like my ego was trapped and I had to break this door down. There was no other option. And of course, I came through in the clutch. Um, so, you know, it, it ended up working out after two or three solid banks. The, the key was I didn't fully commit to the first one. I gave it like a tester, just kind of like, uh, oh, let me do it. Yeah, I'm going to do it over here on the side. And like, when we get to the edge, not a middle, middle is the way to go, right? Like, where's the point of weakness? Dude, I can see you standing there, like looking at your finger to see which way which way the wind's blowing. Yeah. Like you're just like calculating, <laughs> like you got a piece of chalk and you like do a little math to figure out like where the best like point of entry is. Yeah, just doing things to stall. I just like took my shoes off. Like I don't know why. Like I was just like, let me just hold on. And I was just thinking, like, okay, what am I gonna do to get this door down? <laughs> and you like warm up your hands. I don't know why I needed to perform for this guy. Like I could have just told him to leave and done it in my privacy, but I had told him like that's a ripoff. I'm gonna break this door down all right so let me tell you um this is actually a good segue to a topic i wanted to talk to you about i didn't know how we would work this in but it, it worked out perfectly so, so there's this phrase that i love which was um i'm looking for that i'm looking for a triple a locksmith so triple a locksmith what's a triple a locksmith so back in the day when they had the phone pages people would the yellow pages people would go to like find a service like locksmith and um like doing four four minute abs instead of seven minute abs, you know you gotta. Yeah, just, exactly. Just, you <laughs> could differentiate on many things. You could say we're a locksmith uh, company. We're honest. We have we have good pricing. We are lock. Nobody knows that. They're just looking in the yellow pages. They don't know how to find you. Find out anything more about you. They're just going to go based on which locksmith stands out. Guess who stands out the most? The one at the top. And so, I call it the triple A locksmith idea because people started to game the system. They were like, oh, instead of calling themselves Smith's locksmiths, like then they're far down the list, they would call themselves right. a locksmith. And then some other guy was like, no, 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 we're double A locksmith. So AA locksmith, they would show up first in the like the list. Some other guy comes in, he's like, no, no, no I'm AAA locksmith, triple A locksmith, because they're going to be first on the list. Because actually that's all that matters. First on the list is going to get 80% of the, the dials. And so I love this, this story because it showed me like, you want somebody who like, I always said when we were hiring engineers, I want to hire AAA locksmiths, which is somebody who could do the job on the engineering side, but they have just enough of their mind, just 10, 15% of their mind is going to think about, hey, how do I get more customers? Oh, if I just put two A's in front of my name, I'll be at the top of the list. Dope. I'll do that. That 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 immigrant, it's like that immigrant hustle. Yeah, exactly. So I want the engineer that's got just enough of that, that, that little, that moment of micro hustle where they just figure out, oh, this little thing is going to help me, you know, help me get a little bit further in life. So I was thinking about these micro hustles because again, I left the house, start to observe things, start to notice how broken some industries are. So I'm at a dinner. How long were you gone for? Five days. An eternity. Okay. Um, I go to dinner and uh, 
sitting with some friends and uh, this happened five times. So we went to dinner every single night while we were out, while I was in LA. Every single night, the same thing happened at dinner. We eat. At the end, waiter comes up and he says, um, can I get you guys a dessert menu? Dessert? Anybody want dessert? Dessert? And then, you know, his voice is going up like a hot air balloon. And then everyone at the table awkwardly looks around. <laughs> I, you want, did you want any? Did you want dessert? I'm good. I'm Dude, good. That's a, ro- that's a, that's a rookie waiter move. You, you set the, you just set it down. Even if you just set you it set down, the same down. sort of thing. So I said, I said, okay, what's the micro. Uh, and, and so I was thinking about, I was like, what's the micro hustle move here? If I'm a waiter, so I'm looking for these moments where you, cause I meet a lot of people that are like, love the pod. Um, yeah, I want to do my own thing someday, but cur- currently I just have this job and they're like the gap between the current job and running their own successful company feels large in their mind. And here's the way to shrink that gap. Well, the real way to shrink the gap is just do it. But let's say you're, you're not just doing it yet. Yeah. Teach me about some, teach me about some shrinkage. Let's go. Yeah. You're an expert. Maybe you should actually explain this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I'm preaching to the choir here. So, um, <laughs> so I'm like, how do you start to think like a business owner, think like a little bit of an, of a hustler when you're in your job, find the moments where you can hustle inside, inside your job. And I'm not talking about pitching your boss an idea. I'm talking about just going rogue and making some shit happen, learning how to be a triple A locksmith, how to use human psychology to your advantage. So the last dinner, I see this guy and this guy's a little more clever. One guy, he goes, he takes, instead of, instead of saying dessert menus, anybody want dessert? Should I bring a dessert menu? Um, and instead of just putting down dessert menu and then hoping for the best, this guy comes to me at the side of the table. He goes, um, he goes, he goes, I'll, he goes, I'll leave this with you to order dessert for the table. Uh, nice. Oh, shit. That was smooth as a mother. And I was like, wow, like, I guess I am the, the head of the table, though, the man of the house. I do need to provide <laughs> for my, 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 my friends here. You know, I do need to, to give them an experience. And he just whispered it to me like, this is our, our little secret. You just tell me what you tell me what you want. We'll, we'll surprise them. So I was like, that was a smooth move. I, and I started thinking, what could go even further? And so I started everywhere I was going, I started brainstorming this little micro hustle moment. So then even with this dessert thing, I said, what would make it more fun? I said, what if, what if they actually set down a thing? Because most people, when it comes to dessert, they, it looks like there's two answers, yes or no. But there's actually a third answer. Do you know the third answer when it comes to dessert? No. What? I'll have some if you want some. That's actually where everybody lands. It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do one if you're doing one, right? Like, this is how people feel with things. And so I, I thought, somebody should actually just set down a little thing in front of everybody. And say, all right, here's a restaurant. At the end of the meal, there's three little buttons I can put in front of you. Button number one, no thanks, I'm fine. Button number two, hell yeah. Button number three, I'll have one if everyone else wants one. And uh, on three, we do our reveal. We make it fun. You do the reveal. If anybody says yes and anybody says, I'll have it if everyone else is having it, say no more. Would you guys like the brownies or the truffles? Oh, okay, truffles. Yeah, let's go. And you could get, I think you could add on like $40 to every ticket if you just did it this way. Dude, I love I love those games like that. It's like it's like in and out secret menu. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I love these games at restaurants. That's my favorite. And I thing. think a lot of life is just played in your head. And if you're just sitting somewhere, the challenge I give everybody is how do you play a little game in your head today where you say, All right, let me add a little showmanship. Let me add a little restaurant owner energy to what I'm doing right now. Let me add a little 
psychology to what I'm doing right now. And if you do that every day, you become a different person. Like I, fu- I fully believe this. You literally become a different person and you have more fun versus just going through the motions as you were before. So this is my little rant on finding that little micro hustle, uh, being the guy who figures out how to do the dessert menu in a way that makes everybody feel good and actually gets everyone, gets everyone eating dessert. Because there's a version of that for your job, whatever your job is. The mini riz, a little mini riz. You did this at The Hustle. We talked about when you did the, uh, everybody gets $100, let's go to Costco and let's see who gets the best thing, right? Like, yeah, it, was the, it was the best. Yeah, that was our team building activity was we had, I think we had 12 employees. We gave everyone 50 bucks. We said, you can team up, you can do it on your own. But at the end, we're going to vote. We're going to have three characters, uh, three awards, which is most useful gift, your favorite gift, and the most tasty gift. And you have to try to win one of those awards. Yeah, and I, and I love these stories of people who just take the ordinary and uh, and sort of like add a little extra to make it extraordinary. All right, anyways, that's my rant. Who who were you at dinner with, or who'd you go to LA with? And did you did anything amazing happen? A lot, so many amazing things happened. I wanted to actually write my notes and send them to you so that then we could do an episode just breaking the whole thing down because there was so much, uh, so much. That were happened. you recognized a lot? Do you get recognized? No, a not bunch? at all, actually. Really, LA's got real actual famous people so um maybe people don't know that you're like six one i think because <laughs> a lot of people are, i think would be surprised how tall you are when i go to la i mean I, I get stopped a dozen times a day uh i think i maybe i just stick out more than you do maybe uh, but it could be uh i'm shocked by that or you're just super unapproachable which i could see that as well yeah i think that's actually more of it um I must have just like, you know, whatever, resting bitch face or something, because, uh, yeah, nobody's really coming up to me that much. It happens actually here in the Bay Area. But when I was in L.A., I don't think it happened one time. So that was good. Uh, you know, it's, it's always and good to go, go back with? to your roots, as I say. <laughs> <laughs> You're not from L.A. <laughs> no, I mean, like, uh, but okay. my humble, non-famous roots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where, uh, who'd you go with? You went with Ben, probably Suli. Anyone else? Uh, no, it's just me and Ben went, and then Suli lives down there. So he joined us for half the trip. Well, I want to hear all about it, so I guess we'll have to wait. Uh, I got some other quick ones. I want to, I want to hit, hit you with some, some quick hitters. So this is, I'm going to call this my weird AI tool of the week. I don't know if this is going to be a retur- recurring segment, but it might be because there's a lot of weird AI tools. So click this link. There's a company okay. right now in YC that is called Roundtable, roundtable.ai. And I saw this post on Hacker News um, it wasn't the most popular post, but I found it and I, uh, I thought it was fascinating. So this guy goes, cause that's what you do. That's what you do. You got to find, you find the good, find the good shit. shit. Exactly. So I was, I was, I was deep in the bag and I found something. So, um, they posted this loom video that says, Hey, check this out. We are round table. We use AI to simulate surveys. And they go, um, <laughs> they go, you know, research, user research and market research is really important, but it's expensive. takes time to design and analyze and run the, run the research. So here's what we do. We use AI to simulate a survey. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> and they go, yeah, basically, LL- like LLMs, the new tech that's behind like ChatGPT, is great at um, simulating what something, something like a human would say. And these yeah. guys just took it to the nth degree. So they go, you write a survey with a bunch of questions. You define your audience. Like, I want people who are um, 45 years old or older, right? And uh, so you could say, um, for example, are you interested in buying an e-bike? And it would say, yes, is answered 28% of the time. But if you narrow it down, you say, let me filter only people who own a Tesla. Now, yes, is 52% of the time. And, uh, you know, for example, if you say, um, where where did you learn to code? Um, 
Okay, you can ask that question. People will say one thing. But if you say, how old are you? If you say only 45 years old or older, then everybody will say books. If you say younger than 45, 70, 76% of people will say online. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of crazy that basically like, and you can say, what, what's the most important factor for you choosing an airline to fly? And, and like 5% of people would say legroom. But if you filter it, say people who are six feet or taller, it jumps to 20% of people saying legroom. And so I saw this and I was like, what the hell? Like, does this defeat the purpose of the survey? Like you're literally just going to make up the answer and give it to me. But then I guess humans are actually a lot more predictable than we think. This thing is trained on like the entire internet's data set. And I just thought this was remarkable. And I couldn't believe like, is this actually going to be the case that you can actually just AI could just fake answer your surveys and tell you, do your user research for you. Doesn't that sound absolutely bizarre? So it's not there yet because one person, he goes, hey, look, I had I, I ran a survey. I said, was the moon landing fake? Option A, yes. Option B, moon. Ninety four percent of people voted moon. <laughs> yeah. uh, and but that said, uh, I actually do think the same results would actually come if you actually asked people that exact same question. Like most people would be like, oh, it's I not. Love lamp. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, I think I know what you're saying. You're saying you meant to put yes there. Uh, so, but, but this is like a really thought provoking idea. Yeah. And honestly, I haven't even spent enough time like actually figuring out like, is this literally a joke or is this like the next big thing? And that's kind of interesting. Anytime you get something that's like either, it's satire. This was actually started exactly. by the onion or it's genius. It's like you driving around being like, ah, fuck it. I'll be a taxi. Did I ever tell you about the time that I ran, um, the disco? By the way, uh, that's not how the, Uber the, started. The... Just in case you didn't know. <laughs> One man just deciding I'll be a taxi. <laughs> but did I tell you that I used to do that? No. <laughs> so one for two, two new years in a row, my buddy Joe and I, we rented a zip car minivan and we wore, if, if you Google this, you'll see photos of me doing this. We wore fake afros and disco clothes. I'll try to find it. But we had the, it was called the um, Disco Frisco Taxi. And we would drive around. Uh, if you look up Disco Frisco Taxi, you'll see, my name, you'll see Disco Taxi. And we would drive around being like, hey guys, where are you going? You want to go to this place? All right, cool. How about uh, 30 bucks? And they would say, all right, cool. They would get in and be like, all right, you entered in the Disco Frisco Taxi. Spin the wheel. You can win a juice box. Brought to you by the ride. makers of the Touchy Feely Wheelie, which is the thing I do Monday <laughs> yeah. through Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> all right, your destination is my house, my home. All right. <laughs> yeah, let's go. <laughs> so you basically made your own like cash cab and you would just what charge them like $200 because yes. it's New Year's and they're like desperate. Uh, we would be like, how about 50 bucks and they would say all right cool uh and so we would make like a thousand dollars a night on new year's i was it was the disco frisco taxi That's so hilarious. i don't remember where i'm even going with this but uh yeah round table cool <laughs> into it <laughs> yeah. um really good really good i like that where do you want to go from here Are we wrapping up uh yeah let's wrap it up all right that's the pod we done I feel like I can rule the world. I know I can be what I want to. I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. Like